your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the text line. I've got a couple of people in studio with me from the Salvation Army. I've got Krista Coey and Isaiah Thomas. I'm going to make a basketball joke, Isaiah. I do it every time. The the teachers' union president is John Havlicek, so we usually have a conversation about that. Um, but you guys are in here, obviously, to talk about the Ukraine situation. And No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> although maybe you guys are helping with the Ukraine situation. A lot of times uh, there's food drives and whatnot. Um, but we're... Uh, 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 actually going to be talking about the homeless for this hour so if anyone has questions shoot me a text 608-785-7914 um yeah where do you guys want to start i think maybe we can we can just we can just start with you know the salvation army does what i mean how many you 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 can talk about the homeless but you can you can you can throw everything in there how many things does the salvation army do um a lot Quite a bit. Um, This is actually my favorite thing is talking about what we do and giving tours. And I think people are always really surprised um, when they go through the building how many services that we provide. Um, So I guess I will just kind of start and go through a virtual tour. Um, Mostly what people know us for is um, our Red Kettle campaign, you know, the bells. That's how a lot of people know what the Salvation Army is. Um, or the fact that we're emergency shelter. So we are, um, first and foremost, an emergency shelter, um, and that's our kind of our main uh, community uh, program. And so people check in, and kind of the process that we go through is a diversion screening. Um, are, do you have any other options? Is there a better place to stay? Can we uh, talk to somebody on your behalf, help you pay rent somewhere? Things like that, because sometimes it'll be uh, an instance where they don't have to enter shelter and we can kind of problem solve or maybe use some prevention funds. Yeah, point, maybe point them in the right direction like, oh, we, we don't do this, but you know yep. how you can get back? You can get back to you know square one as uh, a, another entity actually will help literally help you deal with this problem. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes it just takes talking that out to, to realize, oh, wait, I don't have to come into shelter. Um, then once you're in shelter, we basically sit down and look at, uh, we call it a self-sufficiency matrix. Um, what kind of barriers are you experiencing? Uh, then we do what's called a Eureka, the University of Rhode Island Change Assessment, figure out where you are in your stage of change, um, and a Hearth Hope Index figuring out um, where your sense of hope is, which also allows us to do a suicidality screening um, Mm -hmm. uh, without screening. So uh, once people are in shelter, um, they're assigned to a case manager that works with them uh, based on the different obstacles that they have and what their individualized goals are. Uh, You can stay in shelter for as long as you need to. Some people have stayed up to a year. Um, As long as you are working towards the program, you can stay and we will continue working with you. Um, our ultimate goal is obviously housing, uh, permanent housing um, and stable housing. We don't want you to um, fail out and have to yeah, come coming back, back and forth. Um, right off the top of my head, how many people, are, you, you talk about emergency shelter, mm-hmm. you could stay here as long as you need. How many, How many? if you're at max capacity, what's, what's that number look like? Right now with COVID, it's 35. Okay, 35 families or people sometimes? People. So right now we are not housing families on site. We are utilizing hotel vouchers for that. So we have 8 to 10 um, 
hotel families at any given time that we're working with. All right. And we're going to get into this. I, maybe I should set this up a little bit. The The city of lacrosse is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, I feel like they're trying to take a leadership role in how the homeless situation is being handled and then saying, okay, we're going to be the centerpiece. And then we're going to, we're going to go with you Salvation Army. We're going to bring you in Cooley cap. I only know like three, so you can name, if you want to throw some other names and then we're going to bring you YWCA and there's probably how many entities do you think in the area not just lacrosse, but maybe in the area that would be within, you know, this, we getting involved in this are helping the homeless. Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Um, I know that the key six um, that we talk about quite frequently because they are HUD funded agencies, um, which means we have to abide by a bunch of different um, state rules. Yeah. Um, that would be Catholic Charities, Salvation Army, YWCA, ILR, New Horizons, Cooley Cap. Okay. Was that six? That's the big six. That's yeah. the big six. You did it on your fingers too, so I don't know why you asked. Um, all right, so there's six that you know, and that makes sense. They got a the, the, like state regulated, right, or yes. or maybe federally regulated. Yep. Um, but but are am I right there where the city has maybe changed their philosophy and hey, we're gonna take we're gonna take a leading role on here, and you guys got to come through us. I think the city has saw it as a big problem that needs to be addressed, and they are doing something versus what hasn't been done in the past where they just step out there and they're looking uh, for assistance with the agencies um, to be able to step in and provide the skill and experience. Okay. So before, I guess, would this be a change of, of leadership in the, like, is it a new mayor, new, new philosophy? I mean, that mayor comes in here. I mean, we spend way too much time talking. No offense to the homeless, but we spend a lot of time talking about the homeless on the show every month. He comes in here once a month before the city council meeting and after now, it's like, okay, we get it. You really want to help the homeless. But you, you guys probably see that too, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't say necessarily that it's a, a change in mayor because homelessness has always been something that we're working towards and that the city has um, put efforts towards. Uh, we worked previously with Caroline Gregerson quite a bit, um, and now uh, Diane McGinnis is Caroline Gregerson's replacement um, in city planning. And so we've always been going forward. I think the difference is, is that this... We could just point to COVID, right? Just, we just always point to COVID? I mean... There's more homeless people, right? Is there not more homeless people in the last three years? Two years? Yes. I would say that there are definitely more homeless individuals um, due to COVID, and especially with the eviction moratorium being lifted and things like that. Um, yes, that is definitely a, uh, an increase. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to dissect what the city is trying to do with a different group. So, I mean, I should have the mayor in here try to dissect it, but... Uh, you know, maybe with the change in the amount of homeless population in the in the area, the city has had to go, okay, we really have to change yeah. uh, how we're handling this. I think part of it um, is a misconception of what housing first means. Um, you know, you hear people throw around housing first, housing first, and basically I, what the best that I can tell is that people's interpretation of housing first is just put a roof over somebody's head, and that solves the problem. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case. Um, Housing first involves a lot of intensive um, case management and supports after you put somebody into housing to make sure that they stay in housing and that they're able to stay in after those supports lessen and eventually go away. Yeah, and the housing first that I think maybe people think, oh, the city is doing that with the Econolodge deal. That's not their housing first philosophy. That's just we got to get you out indoors for winter. Yep. So what I would would say is housing first without the supports is warehousing of the homeless, which is the complete opposite of what um, the agency's goals are. 
right? You want to take somebody um, and allow them to thrive instead of just merely survive by putting a roof over their head. Right. And so that is the agency's goals is going forward. How do we make people sustainable on their own? How do we get social supports and, and just different ways to, so that they can be on their own without ever having to come back into homelessness? And if those supports aren't there, chances are you come back. That's Chris. That's Krista Coe. She's the director of social services at the Salvation Army. Isaiah Thomas, director of development, also in here. Salvation Army of Lacrosse, I should say. We got to take a quick break. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the text line. If you want to text, then I'll read them. Hopefully, if we don't, uh, if we ever, you know, if there's ever a lull in the conversation, I don't know if there will be, but I'm sure some people have. Some pretty good questions. The Salvation Army of Lacrosse is in here. Krista Coey, Director of Social Services, and Isaiah Thomas, the Director of Development. We're talking about uh, what the Salvation Army does, what the city is trying to do with the homeless situation, in and how the Salvation Army is involved in that. And and just we, we can break down each one of these plans if you want, Krista and, and Isaiah. Um, but but again, if we want to go back to you, you, we were talking about what you guys do, and I think we we just got stuck on. How many people are at the at the shelter and how many, what, 32, did you say? 30, 35 is 30, our max. 35 yep. is the max, and um, they could stay as long as they want. How many people do you have that end up just staying for a long time? I mean, is there an average stay? Like, what's your average stay? So HUD would like us to keep, like, 60 to 90 days, um, but that's not necessarily possible when you have high barriers, um, especially if you're um, somebody who is chronically homeless. Uh I don't think I could necessarily give you an average. I would say at, at any given time, we just have a handful of individuals who are longer stay. Okay. What's, when you say chronically homeless, do you mean they just like they're, it's really hard for them to get permanent housing? Okay. There's, okay. I just want to make sure that chronically to me could also mean like they're in and out all the time, but they're, but that, okay. That makes sense. Highest barriers and most vulnerable of the homeless. Um, other things you guys are doing when it comes to the homeless population, do you, provide is there can people just go and get meals there and, and stuff like that well, like how like what's the situation there yep we have our community meal program um, which used to be three times a day uh, pre prior to uh, COVID but now it is uh, once a day for lunch um, and it's served right out of the front of our building almost like a drive-through window we open up a window and serve meals out of there um, and you can take two with you so that you have something for dinner and we have been doing that through the entire pandemic and then we have our three meals a day to residents living with us. Okay. Is that going to change? Because I feel like we're done with COVID now. Maybe we should be doing, uh, being allowing you to, is, it a, is that a you thing or a, a, a regulation no, thing? No, so that, that's an us thing. Um, the problem is, is that um, for those of you who haven't visited the Salvation Army, um, our men's sleeping dorm is in the back half of our cafeteria. And so we don't have a way to keep living space separate from communal space. Um, so to protect our residents, um, we are keeping it separate for as long as possible until we feel like it's safe to, yeah. to join again. Uh, and then there's just probably like a staffing issue to have somebody like rolling out meals three times a day through a drive through type situation would be there's yes. there's three, four more people that you don't have to do other things. That makes sense. Yes. Um, anything else that what else are you doing that I'm, I'm not going to know because. Well, and even it, when it comes to meals, people also um, need to remember that Feed the Kids program goes on during the summer so that's another meal program that happens that our kitchen staff are are spread out doing uh and then we also have our holiday baskets so thanksgiving and christmas putting together holiday baskets 
and once a month we work with Hunger Task Force um, to do distribution days. And so our meal program has a lot going on, um, which definitely dictates what we can take on additionally in the community. So when you is, is the state is the federal government over the last you know you see a lot of uh, governor evers is in town giving literally giant checks not not happy gilmore giant but more like a little bit smaller than that i don't know if a happy gilmore reference there but um is the state federal government helping you guys in the same way yes so those arpa funds and and hud funds um have been increased to help um to help be able to increase like for instance hotel vouchers things like that um yeah, I was going to say extra. that, and yep. I was that was my next question: is where does that money go? Because you're only going to be able to keep 35 people here, but there's also there's you're going outside of this the your building to to get people housed. Yes. Um. All right. So I want to I want to throw this out there the 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 misconception or is it a misconception? And it's just going to be I'm just going to do the ignorant thing. All homeless people are drunk. And they're all addicted to drugs, and and that's why they're homeless. I mean, can you just talk? Because every time I hear that, they we got to get them off drugs, we got to get them off drinking, and then they can go get a job. That's that's, and then that, yeah. their life is fixed. I mean, how big of a misconception is that? Um, I would say a pretty big one, um, and it's a conversation that, as the social service director for Salvation Army, that I feel like I have a lot. Um, and so, and actually, this is perfect because. For those of you who don't know, May is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, causation versus correlation, right? Um, Within the homeless community, um, people are experiencing trauma and mental health, uh, violence, depression, post-traumatic stress, things like that at a much higher rate than other individuals are. And so when you're looking at the homeless population, you're looking a lot of times at severe mental health issues, uh, trauma, uh, sexual abuse, those types of things that people don't want to talk about a lot. Um, And so I would say that those curacoing disorders are a root cause a lot of times for substance use, right? Because drugs work. If drugs didn't work, you wouldn't go to the doctor and get drugs every time you weren't feeling that great. Um, And so a lot of times, that's what illegal substances do too. They either numb or they make you feel or they erase something or they help you sleep or they help you fix something, whatever that is. And so when you're looking at drug use among the homeless population, it's really the things underneath that you should be looking at. But is there a lot of it, I guess? is it, Are a lot of people in this situation? I think what, and we haven't thrown a number out. Do you know how many homeless people are in the area? Um, so that would be a great question for Cooley Cap on what our last pit count was. Okay. Um, I don't have the number off the top Because I always hear top top like 100, head. and I'm like, I feel like it's more than that, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I can check on that. Do they I do that know. once a month, Cooley Cap, no. or once every three? No, it's uh, twice a year. Twice a year, okay. Yep. Is that something maybe we need to do more? Or is that really hard to do, and that's why we only do it twice? Uh, there has been times where we have done them additionally, especially through COVID, just to get a spot check on where we're at. Okay. Uh, a lot of times, uh, for instance, if we're looking at what does our winter sheltering picture look like, we'll go out and, and do a, an unofficial count to try to figure out, okay, how many beds are we looking at? You know, Is the warming center going to be enough? Do we have to have additional programming? How many hotel rooms would be enough? Things like that. Yeah. So. And I mean, I got off track there because we were talking about the the cons- misconception or the conception that 
Um, and but, but the way you put it is, it sounds like there's some trauma in, in this person's life. They get depressed, and then they get on. They use start using drugs and alcohol, which makes it sound like you're saying all the homeless people are depressed and on drugs and alcohol. So that's a very oversimplification of a of a very multifaceted problem. Yeah. Um, but on the surface level, yes, where you see mental health, um, depression, post traumatic stress, we're talking physical abuse, sexual abuse, things like that, you're going to see substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it, it doesn't mean that all homeless people are drug addicts or things like that. That's absolutely not the case. And actually, I just received um, an email. I don't know if you're aware that the county is making some efforts towards some bridge housing coming up. Well, that was that was another, you know, and I probably a question for the city, too, with, uh, is it Brian Sampson or Jason? Brian. Brian Sampson, yep. the new homeless coordinator there is, I talked to him yesterday about the because when the city wanted to buy the Chamber of Commerce building, it was a city county effort and therefore had to go through all kinds of public sessions. And then, oh, what are you guys doing? And somebody swoops in and buys that building because they don't want it. They don't exactly want homeless, uh, a homeless center, so to speak, yeah. uh, in downtown La Crosse. And then when the, the city started to do the Maple, Maple Grove deal, what in my head, this is just my theory, is they could do it a little bit quieter, which sounds which sounds devious a little bit. But if they do it in this way, then somebody can't swoop in and buy it. But that means the county isn't involved. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. What, what, are you, what is the county doing? Well, let me back up, I guess, first to, to talk just a little bit more about drug use and homelessness. One of, so, and this is something that I, we kind of touched on in our letter, um, was not necessarily a fear of drug use and criminal activity and things like that from the homeless, it was more dangers to our homeless population, our very vulnerable population. Um, I mean, being homeless puts you in a vulnerable population category on its own, let alone if you have maybe physical limitations or some sort of other disability, which makes it very easy to be preyed upon. Um, That's why there's extra protections that need to be put in place when you're working with a homeless population, extra securities. Um, Because highly vulnerable populations are more, um, I would say, open to additional violence, victimization, re-traumatization, things like that. And so those are the dangers, really, is when you have a homeless program um, or any kind of programming that doesn't have the securities put in place, people will prey on you, take advantage of that. Well, you don't have a place to live? I'll give you a place to live. And next thing you know, you're paying for that place to live in ways that you didn't bargain for, those types of things. And, and that's really common. Um, and so those are the types of things that are more a danger to our community than homelessness or homeless people ever will be. And half of what Salvation Army does is trying to remove that stigma from homelessness. And so if I get back to this project um, on the county, the reason I wanted to touch on it is because they're currently doing focus groups. They did a focus group at Salvation Army, at Catholic Charities, at Econo Lodge, um, New Horizons, and then they sent out notes, uh, I believe it was this morning, that basically talked about everything that clients said that they want in a bridge housing model. And when you I, say clients, you mean? They talked to our residents that were living there. Yeah, they okay. came in and I met with. I just want to make sure yep. it was literal yep. homeless people versus clients like you would be the client, Salvation yep. Army. Okay. Nope, our, our homeless um, individuals. And I was looking through, and 
rules was one of the things that they, they talked about. What kind of rules should be in this bridge housing because um, I was thinking ping pong table. So you're talking like curfew or something like that. Yeah. So this group more focused on rules ranged from regular drug testing to no use or get kicked out. Residents need to show progress or get kicked out. Expel those that cause disturbances. Need to have goals. Need to make them want to change. These are notes that our clients are giving feedback on that they want in a, mm-hmm. in a structure, in a housing program. Um, that's, that's tough though, right? Because, uh, if I'm, if I'm in a situation where you're talking about these, these people are coping, so they're on drugs or using alcohol to cope for bigger underlying problems. Now those seep into, uh, their neighbors, if they're in a, a bridge housing situation, now you've kicked them out and now they're back at square one, right? Anyway, that's something we're going to have to deep dive into after this, because I got to go to break against... All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Well, it's the text line. I got the Salvation Army of Lacrosse in here. I've got Krista Coey, the Director of Social Services. She's been in Lacrosse doing that for about five years. And Isaiah Thomas, the Director of Development. He's been, uh, he, you You have the most interesting timeline because you came right before winter. Mm-hmm. So you you got to experience uh maybe the biggest part of the bleep show that's that's happened so far. I don't know if I want to call it a bleep <laughs> show. That's insensitive. But, um, you know, when the, when the city says, hey, we're rounding up, you came a month before that, we're rounding up the homeless. That's a very insensitive way to put it, too. Uh, but they, they took the homeless out of Huska Park, brought them to the Econo Lodge just to get them, out, get them shelter for the winter. And I want to get into that philosophy because I don't think the Salvation Army would have that same plan. But we were talking, um, I, I'm, still, I'm still a little confused about the stigma of all homeless people are on drugs, all homeless people are drinking and none of them are trying to get jobs. That's the other one. A lot of, a lot of people like, Hey, go get it, go get a job or you can't stay here or you need a job in order to live. So I don't go ahead. I mean, this is stuff you deal with every day, wherever you want to start, Krista. Yeah, this is a tough one because I don't know how much time we have left, but this is just such a complicated issue that it, that's, that's just not true, um, and true on so many levels. A, a lot of individuals experiencing homelessness just experience at one time. Something came up, they couldn't make ends meet, they experience homelessness, it's brief, they're back out of it. Well, and I was saying during the break, uh, Isaiah was saying this too, like COVID was the perfect yep. uh, storm for, for these people that are essentially maybe living paycheck to paycheck, which I think a lot of the nation is living yep. paycheck to paycheck, and then boom, COVID hits, and you lost your job. And now you lost your house because you can't pay the rent or the mortgage anymore. And now you're at your door, right? Literally the Salvation Army or somebody else's door looking for help. Yeah, and say I have four kids and I'm trying to figure out, okay, we got a month in this apartment because I already pay rent, but I lost my job, can't find a job. Everybody's sick around us. And now I'm reaching out to the Salvation Army. Hey, can you help me and my family? I don't have any drug issues. I don't have any mental health issues or anything else that people may um, categorized as a homeless person's problems. So get beyond the Google search and see me as me, as a person, your neighbor, who just lost everything because of an unfortunate situation. How many people are families? How many people that, that seek help? Is, that, is it mostly just I'm an individual, I don't, I'm, this is hard for me? Or are, are, is there like, is it 50-50 where it's mom and, and daughter or dad and son or dad, you know what I mean? Yeah, 
I, you know, I, I honestly can't even answer that question at this point because we did a, a family hotel program from last November um, up until through March. We had 24 hotel rooms, and they were full the entire time we had it. Um, so COVID just made things really hard. Right now we have eight um, families utilizing hotel rooms, you know, and I, so that that number varies, and COVID COVID has definitely made a huge impact on our, our families, for sure. A huge impact, that, and then uh, probably really hard for, you know, groups like the Salvation Army and, and other groups that are helping the homeless, because it's probably a little bit of a roller coaster right now. Is Are we seeing a little... It settle a little bit. Some people are able to get back on their feet and, and get, you know, yeah. permanent, semi-permanent housing. Yeah. I mean, and even the, the um, <clears throat> WIRA funds that have come into Cooley Cap, those have been a kind of a game changer in our community um, and being able to cover uh, different utilities and, you know, first month's rent and just different things that kind of get the ball rolling um, can cover some hotel stay once you're um, in just things like that. And so there are a lot of really great programs and really great dollars coming into the community that are that are helping and, and having a big impact. The city's plan uh, has been the, to make Huska Park a campground and, and that way, because before that they were staying at Copeland Park a lot and other places, but the police were ticketing them for being in the park after hours. So the next summer the city said, all right, you guys can stay at Huska Park. It's going to be, quote, unquote, a safe haven in terms of being cited for uh, breaking the rules, being in the park after after hours, and then they went from that to uh, the Econo Lodge over winter, and so they're, they're, the homeless population seems to be congregated in one spot. And I think the police like that because for whatever reason, I don't. I, but do you you guys have a different philosophy, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't do uh, you wouldn't keep uh, warehouse the homeless. That's kind of how you put it before. Yeah, I mean, and the, there is a big difference between warehousing and and programming. Um, and there, there are a lot of different reasons why we wouldn't go with a model like that. I mean, you can look at the research behind scattered site models and different things like that and things that allow people autonomy and choosing where they want to go as opposed to just saying you have one park in the community that you can go to, here you go. Um, and like how I was just saying before is that it makes it really easy to prey upon homeless individuals or vulnerable individuals um, when you kind of just group people all together in one place and and don't have any safeties put in place for how you get into that program, any good screening processes, making sure that people are truly Category 1 homeless. In, in my head, too, there's a lot of peer pressure here to, like, I'm, I'm good on my own, and then all of a sudden everyone else is doing it. I'm going, uh, is there any of that? But that gets back into these stigmas again, but... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that is stigma. I mean, of course, you're going to have a handful of individuals that are like, oh, you know, my friends are in the park, I'm going to the park, yeah. you know, but if, for the majority, the park is obviously not an ideal place. All right. What well, if you, if you were just running the show, you, you, what, what, what would you do? I, I was going to say you have unlimited funds, but then you would just buy everyone a house. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of what you can do, what would you do that that's different from what the city is doing? Uh, really great screening processes on entering into a program. Are you truly category one homeless? Do you have other options? Is there a way to divert you? Um, is there a healthier option than, you know, shelter should always be like a last resort or a, a program like that where a sanctioned encampment is essentially what it is. It should always be kind of a last resort type thing. Um, there would be a lot of programming available, um, a lot of different life skills courses that you could take, you know, financial planning, different things like that. You need really intensive case management supports um, so that 
you're not just simply putting people in a place where you're saying, oh, here, you can you can go here, it's okay, but then not offering any way to get them out of there. There's well, no end game. There's okay. no... In my head, okay, for the winter, the uh, 100 people, about 100 people have been at the Econo Lodge. The, the city has provided funds for that. I think it was 700000 It's up to almost a million dollars in ARPA funding to put them there. Is that Do they put them there and then go, okay, you guys can go and do what you do, like go to those rooms? Or is it I, I live in a hotel room and I'm it's private and I'm just going to lock my door and not answer? Is there – I don't know. How does that work? Is there a little bit of a uh, – go ahead. That would be a question that you have to ask the people that are operating uh, Econo Lodge. Okay. But a preferred situation for us would be if we were running the show to be able to say um, we know X person is dealing with this issue and providing them a case manager or someone to work with them to get them to their next step. So whatever success looks like for that individual, with Krista mentioning all those screenings, whatever came up in those screenings that we need to work on, we know someone is in contact with them. So the group that's running the Econolodge situation now, did they maybe do screenings and you don't have access to them or did they just put them in rooms and do you not know? That is a good question for them. Okay. So maybe you just don't know at this point or you can't get it. You don't have access. I would just rather talk for our agency and know other agencies on what their protocols are. All right. seems like coming, coming into the winter, they're all at Huska park. What would you have done differently besides like, where would you put these people? Because they, they have to, you don't want them outside. Well, and there are programs, right, that work at kind of like Huska Park, um, but there have to be a lot of safeties in place. There has to be security cameras and um, controlled entry and exit points, you know, where people can't just enter and leave when, whenever they want to. Without, well, you're saying Huska Park. I meant the Econo Lodge. Like, what would, you have, what would you have done differently for the winter? Oh, well, I mean, I would do it just like how we do at Salvation Army or how we did the Econo Lodge project previously. You're, you're the kind same, of doing your own thing, Same right? diversion screening to make sure that shelter is indeed a last option and absolutely necessary. Um, figuring out um, what kind of case management you need, providing that really intensive case management um, with the focus being that when you leave, you're leaving into permanent housing. And that being the ultimate goal, not the ultimate goal just being sheltering. Yeah, because come the end of next month, these people are going to be out of the account lodge. So what would you like to see happen now, then at, at that point in a month and a half here? Uh, I mean, housing, housing is always the goal. Well, uh, uh, of course, but like you're, you're in charge. What would you like to see? Like just you're, we we're giving you the keys to the car. And people are exiting or I yeah, have people a few are months. Coming, people are coming out of the account lodge. Cause that deal ends at the end of April. I believe, I think the city just re up for one, one more month. So the end of April. So May 1st, they're coming out of the Econo Lodge. There is the Huska Park situation where they can go there and congregate. But what would you would you do? Would you just allow that to happen or how would you do it differently? Oh, this is a <laughs> can you go back in time question. Um, well, 100 people I, are going to be without a hotel room in a month and a half. What's going to what do we need to do? How about that? I think it's about figuring out who's who. Again, going mm-hmm. back to the model that we use when people show up at our front door. Who are you and what do you need? Um, And figuring out how we get them paired up. If it's not Salvation Army, what are some other resources in the city that can be used to help you get to where you need to be? Um, Keeping keeping them out of Huska Park. Can we find them? Can we all? Can we find a hundred people places to go without being Huska? Well, we have to figure out if that number is a hundred. Right. We have to screen and see who who is Category One homeless. um, Who 
who may have homes and options to go to. And then once we figure out what that number is of individuals who truly need some sort of sheltering option, then we go from there. Yeah. Um, and there are different, I mean, we could revisit things like cathedral school. I don't know if you remember when that was going on. Or uh, Catholic charities maybe operating in the off months. I mean, there there's different options out there. Hotel vouchers, increasing hotel vouchers. Um, but you have to figure out what your homelessness picture is before you can figure out how many units you need to solve the problem. Yeah, because there's different tiers. You're, you keep saying category one, which I would, I'm guessing That's is the literally, worst. That's literally homeless is what it means. It means you don't have anybody to stay with. You don't, you don't, you're not crashing with friends. You don't have any other options but to be in charge. And at this point, we don't really have an idea. First of all, it doesn't sound like we know how many homeless people, but that number is, that's fair, right? Like we don't want to put all the burden on the city here, but that's fair. I don't know if it's the city's job to count the homeless, but uh, that's going to roller coaster quite a bit, especially coming out of winter. Um, what about the the idea that I've heard the, the Mitch say this a couple of times, just people coming here because, oh, you guys are doing what with the homeless? I'm homeless. That sounds awesome. I'm going to come here. I mean, that's a good and a bad thing, right? Like, oh, otherwise they don't have anything, right? So I don't know how to I don't know how to understand that. Make me understand if that's good or bad. I think the one thing to think about what in that case is the beauty of lacrosse is that we take care of the people who are here. And so if you come here and you say you need help, we're not going to turn you away and say get out of our city. Uh, we're going to try to help you in whatever way we can. But when you open up a space that is much larger than what the park could accommodate or what it did, uh, and you say that there are free hotel rooms, what what would you do? Yeah, for sure. I, uh, like the does word get around? Does it does it travel like that? Where I mean, I know I know when Mitch came on here, Mayor Mitch Reynolds came on here and, and talked about that. It was like police bringing homeless. It wasn't a bunch. He told two stories, so essentially it was two people, which isn't a big deal. But the yeah. that was the police bringing those people here, which seemed a little strange to me. That, that and if that's happen. a true statement, what stops it from being? 10 to 15 people, if not more. Right. And then and part of me is like, that's good because we are, we have the resources here to do something about that. Where one example was Sparta and Sparta just doesn't have the resources. And I asked governor Evers this when he was at the YWCA and he's like, yeah, that's good because I'm giving YWCA a million dollars today and Cooley cap $800,000. There's the resources we're here to help. But it stretches the resources. If yeah. not everybody is category one, like yeah. Insta said. Does the does the state or the the feds need to do something differently here to to help out? I mean, do they need to 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 help these smaller communities? There's homeless people everywhere, right? Well, and there there is aid in other communities. Um, many work in the surrounding service areas, uh, so I wouldn't say that it's a, a desert for resources. Um, yes, it is more difficult when you have West Salem, Holman, on Alaska, things like that. Where even, and this is a debate, this could, this could blow up like wildfire mm-hmm. for me saying this, but you could put a program like that there, but how close are you to resources? Mm-hmm. How, how, nothing's walking distance, you know, things like that. And so there are different barriers that happen with saying cities should take care of their own. Yeah, you don't, have a, that, so, you don't have a mini Salvation Army hub, you know, yeah. in Galesville. Yeah. So the Galesville homeless person has to come here. Um, I always hear, too, give them a bus ticket to Florida because it's warmer out there. I mean, you must hear that all the time, That's too, horrible, right? horrible, and yes. Mm-hmm. 
Right, but the, the still like this this this. I mean, negative... if you're from Florida and you have family in Florida that says, you know what, you can come and live with me, right. then absolutely, let's yeah, give them a bus ticket. That's not but... helping. Also, winter is not helping here. But I I get I get the like joke, but it's not it's not a thing. Um, I just I don't feel like it's a negative thing when outlying smaller towns bring their homeless here. Uh, it, but people just people are naive to think like, oh yeah, look at. I just it just it baffles me a little bit because yeah we have the resources here we're going to help but it makes the city look uh, like it's in a tougher situation puts the city in a tougher situation puts the Salvation Army and everyone else in that situation too yeah because people begin to ask the question of why aren't you doing more when we're operating with more we're already at capacity and now there's more people in the city that we want to help yeah but we don't have the ability to because we don't have the resources right and then the and the, but that's where yeah, the, well, the and that's why we need infrastructure change we need we need change that isn't just short term just quick let's put a roof over we need substantial change and support within organizations who are doing the work and are experts in their field so that we can better adapt to influxes of homelessness so that we can respond better we need to put more money in the programs that are working um for instance um so kind of how we were just talking about outlying areas. So Tibra Vouchers, uh, tenant-based rental assistance, is a program that is uh, a housing voucher for outside of the city limits. And again, you have the um, issues with you know being away from walking distance or off of bus routes or different things like that. But what comes along with that is needing case management. Okay, where do you get case management dollars so that you can use more Tibra Vouchers? So these are all you know things we... First, we need to look at the organizations that we have and where there's gaps there, where we can fill so that they can be more efficient and effective as what they do, and they do really well. Um, And that's part of an emergency response in a community. And so building those really structured long-term changes that allow a community to adapt to its changing needs, that's what's important. That's Krista Coey. She's the Director of Social Services at the Salvation Army. Isaiah Thomas also in here, Director of Development. All right, we're going to take one more quick break, and I just want to ask about the Maple Grove Motel deal. Uh, We'll see how much time we have. All right, just a couple minutes left here. I'll I'll tell you, we got three and a half minutes, Krista and Isaiah. (laughs) We're Salvation Army of La Crosse in here. We're talking about the homeless situation and uh, not a ton of time to talk about the Maple Grove Motel deal. Put the, the city got put in a tough place because the city county wanted to do a deal with the Chamber of Commerce building, buying that. It was it seemed to be a perfect spot. Uh, it didn't happen. And it looks like the city wants to, you know, well, maybe they don't anymore. But to make up for that, they bought this Maple Grove Motel. Um, they've got 100 or so people coming out of uh, the Econo Lodge for winter, and it sounds like, hey, we got to do something. We want to build this bridge housing facility. What do you think of the what? What needs to be happen if the Maple Grove Motel deal goes through, or do we need to? Can we do we need to back out of that and have a different plan? In, so in three minutes, uh, uh, in three minutes, <laughs> a project like the Maple Grove Hotel could be really good, but it has to be done right. You have to have enough uh, operating funds set aside for a program that big. And I, I'm not sure that the city knows what it costs to run a program like that. I did some basic breakdowns taking our operating budget and comparing it, just diff- all the different things that go towards our shelter and meal program and things like that. My guess for a project uh, the size of Maple Grove, and mind you, I don't know what it takes. 
I know that they're not talking about pallet shelters anymore, but at that time I have no idea what the energy efficiency and things like that and the cost monthly for running that. But my best guess is about $1.6 million in operating costs a year. Okay, so... And, and the, the, it's not big enough, right? It's only housing 32 people. Yeah. Also, you were saying before the show, if it was big enough, then it would that $1.6 would be like $5 million a year because if we have 100, 100, you know, three times as many homeless, then... Well, I figured that number for the 85 to 95, they were originally talking, but it doesn't, it doesn't go down much by changing it to 32. You still need 24-hour staffing. You still have all the same um, costs as far as laundry, support rubbish removal, snow, yeah. all of that. Just think Still, about everything you, yep. you do at your house you have to do at this facility times 30 or 100. Exactly. Um, in my head, too, in, maybe this isn't how – in my head, I was thinking, like, the city is going to provide the Maple Grove Motel and have bridge housing and then let you guys – let the, you let your six entities you brought up that are under, you know, regulative helping the homeless situation – you guys come in and, and do your thing. We're going to provide the physical structure. that It doesn't work that way? Uh, or can it work that way? So far, all I have heard is about the physical structure, not about any operating dollars or things like that. Um, I think the city's idea was to figure out what kind of operating dollars they could come up with um, and then open up an RFP process kind of like they did uh, prior to the um, Econo Lodge okay. project. So, um Again, when you're looking at operating costs like that, unless you're providing the full $1.5 million up front, I mean, if our agencies had $1.5 million laying around to run a 35, we'd do it. Yeah. All right. That's Krista Coey. She's the Director of Social Services at Salvation Army. Isaiah Thomas, Director of Development in here. Thanks a lot for spending the hour with us. I appreciate it. All right. We needed two or three hours, but I appreciate you coming on. 